Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 452 with Jocelyn Johnson, the relationship check-in method. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe a woman of value naturally attracts the respect she deserves in life and love. So if you're looking to build your confidence and show up more authentically in your life, I wrote a book for you and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. It is filled with 30 tips and exercises to help you step more fully into your value. And it's available on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. And every week I share a tip from the book on how to become a woman of value. This week's tip is step 15, which is be a lifetime learner. So important to always be interested and interesting. And I don't know about you, but it sounds like Jocelyn is a perfect example of a lifetime learner. She's had many careers. She has had uh, many certifications and I am the same. We're both, both have a neuro-linguistic programming certification and I just got mine about a month ago. So it's it just learning and growing. There's so much to learn. So my challenge to you this week is to pick one area, something that you have been yearning to learn more about, whether it's a language or even just reading a book just to take on one thing more to expand your brain, your knowledge, and make you a more interesting person. And before I bring Jocelyn on, I just want to invite you to our Facebook group, Your Last First Date. We are a fantastic group of women who are there to grow and learn and be the best partner they can be, which is a great segue to Jocelyn. Jocelyn is the founder of Happy Partners Project. She created the relationship check-in method by drawing upon over 10 years of her own personal development practices, mindfulness, and her training in cognitive behavioral coaching, neuro-linguistic programming, and rational emotive behavioral therapy. Welcome to the show, Jocelyn. Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. It's uh, I've had other people on with cards and games and things to help relationships, and I love them. I actually have one right behind me on the video. Um, and so it's it, I, I w- was really interested in learning more about what are check-ins and why did you create them? Check-ins are a proactive process for just being in ongoing dialogue about the state of the relationship. So often in relationships, couples wait until there's a major rupture or a series of ruptures or a series of resentments to then have the talk, the dreaded, we need to talk moment. And this really starts to flip the script on that so that it's a proactive conversation versus a reactive conversation to manage what is happening in everyday life so that couples are able to stay connected and stay in dialogue over the course of their relationship. Mm. So the relationship check-in method that I created is foundationalized on mindfulness and psychology to not just generate conversation, but to actually train emotional intelligence and give coaching throughout the process so that 
these foundational communication tactics start to become second nature. So how do we integrate nonviolent communication into conflict? How do we integrate active listening, open-ended prompts rather than yes, no questions, right? So those are some of the elements that are stitched throughout the process that I created. That sounds amazing. So many people are lacking in all these skills. It's just not something we are born with or naturally, maybe we are born with them actually. We get it knocked out of us by terrible, you know, relationship modeling. And uh, and it's interesting you brought up uh, the um, nonviolent communication because as I was divorcing, my husband finally went for help and he ended up learning nonviolent communication. It was what I call the miracle of our divorce because it helped us to talk about things that we never could talk about in our marriage. So for the last three years of our marriage, we spent hour after hour talking out the things that we couldn't speak about. My kids were really confused. They were like, why are you getting divorced? You're talking. So just talking is not enough, obviously, but it helps. And, and so when people have these skills and they can resolve conflicts and even avoid conflict by talking about stuff before it comes up, um, it's fantastic. And I actually have a question for you. Last night I was giving a talk for, I have a, a monthly uh, membership program called the Women of Value Club. And we were talking about overthinking. It's the theme of March. And one of the things I talked about that just kind of came up as a controversial topic is that in one of the relationships I was in, I preempted sabotaging behaviors by talking about them at the beginning. And I said, what might you do to sabotage a relationship? I'll talk about mine. You talk about yours. <laughs> he looked at me like I was crazy. So uh, one of the people who was listening last night to the calls said that her fiance heard this, this whole saboteur thing. And he said, boy, if you would have gone there early on in our relationship, I probably, it probably would have been a deal breaker because it's too heavy. So the question, you know, made me really think like, it ended up being fine in my relationship, but I'm just wondering what you have to say about some of these topics and how early on do you bring stuff up? So a big theme in, in my coaching work and then also through just what I coach as far as when to engage a check-in method is to really look at mutual movement, right? So there's a genuine, genuine unfolding of intimacy that happens over time. And so I would say that as couples start to engage in um, a monogamous sort of dynamic, right? And as triggers start to come up and you start to see that the container of relationship that you're in is designed to push and catalyze your evolution, that that's the time to start having these deeper dive conversations. So I've said any time that you're moving into a time of dedicated commitment, you're actually intending to go into monogamy, maybe you're having discussions about living together, that's the time when I would suggest initiating some of these deeper, more immersive conversations uh, that really surface through open-ended questioning 
the different areas that could also be blind spots for someone, right? Because in the, in the example that you gave, someone who's never contemplated that or isn't in personal development work may be completely like overwhelmed and blindsided. They may say, oh, I've, I've never had to think in this way. And so the questioning that um, is, is built into the deck is very accessible to um, allowing the person to get into tactical understanding of these deeper processes, right? So it's um, rather than what would you, you know, what, what behaviors would you use to sabotage? We might ask the question, is there anything that I did this week that consciously or unconsciously affected you that I did, right? And so someone may say, oh yeah, actually, while I was getting ready the other day, I got really like gussied up for that inner job interview I had. And I came out early and I was kind of hoping that you were going to notice and make a comment and you were rushed and you left the house. And I know you didn't do that intentionally, but I kind of would have loved if you had made a comment about how I looked all gussied up for this big interview, right? So then the person can say, oh, okay. And then you can start to have a dialogue around what was going on for the other person in that moment too. Mm, that's a nice way to reframe it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the problem is that when we've been doing personal work for a while, we don't realize how distant other people are from the language and from, they, they, have, they can't make that leap as quickly as we can. So being able to say it in language that people understand and in a way that doesn't alienate is super important. Well, it's also difficult for many people to access their emotions and to access uh, the, the quote unquote intimacy and connection side, right? It's much more measurable to say, okay, what actions can I take between now and next check-in to meet that need? And then getting really dis distilling down the requests in that way, right? Versus saying, how do you feel when I don't take out the trash? How do you feel when I say certain things? So we do get to feelings in the deck and through the open, open prompts that are included throughout here and some of the activities. However, the entry point is more tactical. It's like, what am I doing well? Where do I have areas for growth? What is going great? What is a, a rupture or a struggle that's happening right now? And then what do we do together as a couple to start to put action behind this shift? And that can be very small micro shifts. So we're not talking, you know, I need you to just stop being a jealous person altogether. It's okay, well, how can we start to have a dialogue when you start to feel jealous? That would be great if you could just tell me when you're feeling jealous, right? Rather than having to say, I, I just need you to stop being jealous altogether. That makes sense. Uh, I've used those techniques with clients who are trying to have a difficult conversation with somebody who has behaviors that have triggered them over and over. And, you know, it's a great way to kind of ease somebody into here's what I need, this is what's working, this is what's not. Uh, or, uh, you know, I know your intention wasn't to hurt me, this is how it felt. Can I make a request? You know, so. Most people don't know how to do that. And yeah, I would love to hear some real examples. Like you've, you've mentioned a few, but if you could give us some real examples. And, and the other question I had is, is coming up for me is I have two adult children living with me and I would think that this would be good for families as well. Can, are these adaptable to any relationship or is this mostly for romantic relationships? I'm in development on a family check-in process because it could be adapted. The, I haven't told you yet what the five categories are, but since we're going into some of the specifics, the categories 
start and end on gratitude. So every check-in will always start with gratitude and end on gratitude. There's refriending, future gazing, solving conflict and connection, which is really sex and intimacy. So you could take the deck apart and you could use the gratitude prompts with you know other family members. You could take the refriending piece, which is more of just the traditional conversation prompts, like what's interesting you lately? What's your thoughts on this? Like a bit of a deeper dive on the changing mindset that your family member or child or partner may be having. Future gazing, you could do too. Like what do we wanna be creating in our relationship? I don't think you'd want to have sex and intimacy and connection with other family members. So that one you would probably want to eliminate. And then there are some prompts that are in the solving conflict category that are very um, romantic partner specific. You know, how are we feeling about balance of household of duties could be adapted to the family. And, um, you know, how is, how, let me see if I can grab another one to see if there's um, a couple that come to mind. So we use a lot of um, ranking as well, which I'm sure you do in your coaching too, Sandy. Uh, with eyes closed by show of fingers, rank the following statement. I feel heard and understood by my partner. What actions would bring that number closer to 10 by next check-in? So that, that kind of prompt could be adapted into the familial unit as well. I was just having lunch with my daughter and she was very anxious about this new job that she has. And so she spent the entire lunch just talking about how anxious she is and I've learned to listen and validate and try to kind of find the emotions underneath and what's going on for her and our relationship really has shifted over the last year that she moved back home during COVID and as I was coming back to record with you she said I just want to apologize first she thanked me for listening and then she apologized for not being there for me, which was like, oh my God. Uh, and so that's the beauty of deep listening, of being present, of not getting triggered by somebody just dumping out their stuff on you. You know, it's just learning how to navigate all of this stuff is such an art. And it's taken me a long time, especially with really close relationships. It is not easy. This is really not for the faint of heart. But I, I, that's why I love the idea of using these cards because it sounds like there's so much thought that went into creating them. Yes, absolutely. And because there is coaching woven throughout the prompts, right? So if, some, if, if the, the question is spend three minutes um, discussing a area of frustration in your life right now. And then there's a, a counter prompt that will say to the listening partner, you know, engage in active listening. This is what that looks like. And then it'll give you another little tip on the side that says as a follow-up bonus, just repeat back to your partner what you heard them say, right? And so that sounds so simple and like everyone must know that. And many people don't, they really don't realize that the simple action of just repeating back what they heard their partner say or a coworker say or a child say can be so validating and show them that you were actually listening and continue to build trust and safety in the relationship. And so yeah. when you're doing that with your daughter, she's starting to 
maybe let down some guards and she's starting to realize that she can be vulnerably held by you in these sharing moments, which is so beautiful as a mother-daughter relationship. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, mothers and daughters are often mirrors. And so <laughs> there's a lot of triggering that happens. Um, so let's let's talk about that. That So active listening is super important and reflecting, mirroring, all of those skills are really important. When is it too much where somebody, where the relationship is really unbalanced and there's one person who's always kind of just complaining and dumping and the other person is the receiver of that. How would you deal with that kind of relationship? Do you have cards for that? Do you have a prompt for that? Like what would help? Because the open, because of the, these prompts, both partners share, I think there's an opportunity for both partners to have equal voice. And what's important, what I would tell that couple, if, which, you know, outside of the, the deck itself, but what I would tell that couple would be to start looking at the themes where someone's maybe not feeling seen or heard, and they're starting to bundle that or confuse that into, you know, you didn't pick up my socks or I saw this happened and they're getting very trigger happy, right? Is to pull them out of that and start to say, hey, is there something else that's going on here that you feel perhaps there's an imbalance in the household duties and that's why these five things seem to have resonance for you right um, there's also the opportunity to create boundaries so in the um, process and i think in every healthy relationship behind a need is a request right we learn this in nonviolent communication very intimately so that behind every need or behind every heightened emotion is a need and then there's Consequently, a request that gets to be made an agreement. So there is coaching about how to navigate the agreement and commitment space and how to reach mutual understanding, even if you don't agree. So a big core theme of the deck is you plus me versus the problem, not you versus me. When you're in you versus me, you're in competition. And when you're in you plus me versus the problem, you're now in collaboration. So that is the anchor point for the entire method, including the deck and the uh, accompanying workbook that we just released this past month. There is a lot, um, I think there's a lot of juiciness there, right? When you start to go towards how do we make agreements and how do we continue to iterate on those agreements? and continue to try to meet each other's needs in an ongoing, evolving basis. Yeah, the agreements are huge in relationship. I love everything that you just said. Um, just the, um, when you have us, me versus you, which is really where a lot of conflict turns into is just, I, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm gonna shut the door on you. Um, you know, I'm going to accuse you of something without checking in. So here comes the check-ins again. And um, it's, it's just when you take down those guards and you realize that the relationship is really the key, we want to hold the relationship together. So the you plus me is a really important unit. So there's the problem outside of the relationship that you can work on together, which I think is a great great way to look at it. Yeah, about holding the relationship as sacred. So um, that's really the starting point is you've got to get unified as a team and you're out to bust up the solution or bust up the problems and find solutions together. Yeah. 
And then you talked about agreements, which are also really essential. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. Whenever I cook, I love listening to music from the 70s, like The Grateful Dead and Crosby, Stills & Nash, and my favorite, Joni Mitchell. With Amazon Music Unlimited, I can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. And you can now stream your favorite podcasts, like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any device, whether it's your smartphone or tablet, your PC or your Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. You will never hear or see an ad, and you can even download songs and podcasts and playlists to listen to offline. Now, for a limited time, you can get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 90 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to claim this offer. So can you share some agreements that are healthy for couples to make together? I think in a, a, at the beginning, well, so actually there are five at the beginning of our check-in process that are really important. And I have said that if you just did these things, I think it would revolutionize your relationship. Even if you didn't ascribe to doing check-ins, whether by my method or your own method, checking in regardless, I think is great. But if you just stopped character assassinating, agreed to, to not calling each other names and having more open dialogue around what's going on versus trying to go and cut the other person down, I'm hurting and now I need to make you feel hurt avoiding hyperbolic language, like always or never. I'm always the one who's doing, you're never the person who does, right? Using I statements, using I more than you. I feel this when why happens, right? That's the nonviolent communication part. Um, But even some of those like foundational elements I think are important. I also, it's not part of the coaching or this uh, check-in method, but I do advocate for radical transparency. So an agreement of, I recognize that what I may say could hurt your feelings. And I know that by being fully honest, that that also builds trust. So if my partner is going to ask me a question, I'm going to give him the full answer. I may soften it, right? I may not say it as like brute force as maybe I, I think it in my mind or I've experienced it, but to be in the full honesty of what my experience was uh, is is one that I advocate for very strongly. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so important. I, and I think also, you know, I, I years ago when people would see, like you could see a friend who's in a bad relationship and you're afraid to say anything, you know, it's that holding back and then then you get divorced and they say, oh my God, I'm so glad you got divorced. I, I knew from the beginning this was, you know, and you're like, why didn't you say anything? And I, I really do think that a true friend or a true partner is somebody who can be honest with you with kindness. It's not about brutal honesty. It's radical. Radical transparency is very different from brutal honesty. Brutal honesty is brutal. It's mean. Yeah. And this is with the intention to connect, not the intention to break down and to, you know, to criticize. 
And so the intention is really an important piece here. And it's also part of nonviolent communication where you start with the intention. Um, a lot of what you're talking about also with the um, hyperbolic language, always and never is part of nonviolent communications, what, what they call the jackal, mm -hmm. which is all the judgment that we bring to every conversation where we think, oh, they did that because they were out to get us and they'll, they'll never change. They always do that. They never do that. You know, and it, calling names, all of that stuff, we have to get out of the way in order to really be open and connect. Right. Yeah. One of my um, colleagues and the author of the masculine in relationship, GS Youngblood, he says, uh, feelings first, facts later. And I just love that as a mantra for relationship, right? Go to the feelings first and you can tend to the facts later. And actually when you tend to the feelings first, the facts start to vaporize. It's almost like the facts and the details don't matter as much. And it's sometimes shocking when I'm working with couples and I tell them you're both right. Cause they're like, that's impossible. Like, no, 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 I'm clearly right. Like how can you say that we're both right? And what I remind them is that all the input, all the stimulus is going into both of your brains. It's getting filtered by all your past experiences, all your behavioral patterns, your familial patterns, your, your trauma over your life. And it's getting spit out as something completely different than what went in. And you can't take that away from either of you. So both of your experiences are right. And what we need to get to is to place where you guys can have mutual understanding about that right? And start to get clear on, okay, I can, I'm going to attempt to see your side. And that does not mean culpability. It doesn't mean that I'm at fault and I'm taking blame. It means I can see where you're coming from. So reaching that point of mutual understanding is important. Yeah, that's so important because we see it through our lens. We see it through our experiences and our lens and we must be right. <laughs> you know, working with a client now who who's so future focused that when someone's talking, she has the answer and she's trying mm. to stop it both at work and in her romantic relationships because she's not really listening. She's, she's trying to be right. She's trying to get there. Mm -hmm. And I get that. It's so easy to fall into that trap. And I've had GS Youngblood on my show. He's great. Oh, yes. <laughs> book behind me. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, he's, he, yes, he is wonderful. Yeah, so the masculine feminine polarity plays a role in our relationships. So yeah, to speak to that, um, how, how the, it affects our relationship. And I would say like even in non-hetero couples, we still have masculine feminine polar polarity. So can you talk a little bit about what that means? Yeah, so it's just an operating stance. I think of it as um, an analogy I gave a client one time who's in the tech industry was like, it's like Android and iOS, right? <laughs> Fundamentally, they're just different operating systems. And this doesn't have to mean male, man and woman. This can just mean two people with their own unique balance of masculine energies and feminine energies. And one's is to react and the other one's to respond. One's to be competition, one's to be collaboration, one's to be structure, one's to be fluid, right? And we all have our own unique balances of those energies. So it's important to start to train and be accessible to both mindsets. Right. I, I, that's how I think of, that's how I thought of creating these prompts. I wanted it to be 
satisfying for whoever the more feminine partner was, the one who's able to go to feelings, the one who's able to go to, to emotions and to be fluid and to listen really well and to hold space. And I wanted it to be accessible for the person who's more masculine in the relationship that needs a plan and a strategy and an action and something that's measurable and needs to feel set up for success, right? And so by going in with, um, these strategies for relationship where you're teaching them without having to be in a therapeutic setting, how to mirror, how to actively listen, how to use nonviolent communication in an accessible way actually speaks to that innate um, balance of masculine and feminine, regardless of what their sex or gender identification is, right? Um, so I think that that's woven throughout the method and really presents more as um, some resourcing around when we're saying, I feel blank when why happens, right? We're giving cues about what are some emotions that you could be accessing in this moment, right? That might be the follow-up prompt. And it would ask um, the partner to explain what could change for them to, to help that feeling not come up again next time, right? Or, or be a little bit less elevated of a feeling um, or heightened of an, an emotion at that particular point. So it's really about um, coming at it from, this is not for men, not for women, not for a masculine, not for a feminine, you know, unilaterally, but really that there's those energies and that polarity stitched throughout the coaching that's in the deck. Mm. I think a lot of people suppress a part of who they are yes. and um, women in particular who I work with are so usually so geared to show up with their masculine energy because work requires masculine energy for the most part, although mm -hmm. leadership and all kinds of things require feminine energy as well. And when we can balance it and not just be in our heads all the time and not just be in, in you know, get it done mode and have more patience and balance those, those beautiful feminine energy traits, you know, we, we kind of, I, I see it as we bring more balance to the relationship and we provide what the other person is lacking. Because if we all show up at the same energy, we kind of cancel each other out, right? Exactly. And you butt heads. So if my if my partner comes to me and is like, I'm feeling so frustrated right now, I can't continue this conversation, right? That's my opportunity to then step into my masculine leadership position and say, okay, tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. And to be the leader in that moment when my partner's in a heightened emotional state, right? And to instead be like going into competition or, you know, um, going to, into the war battle mode of like, well, how does that, like, that's not possible and going into, tell me what I need to do right now, right? So many times, um, I'm sure many couples out there have heard their partner say, what do you want me to do about it? Just tell me what you want me to do about it, right? And, and the, if, if that's the masculine partner saying that and the feminine partner is in feelings, all she wants to do is talk about her feelings. So being able to resource that guy on just go into, oh, I hear you're frustrated. Oh, I'm hearing that you're this, just repeating it back, right? Actually pulls him into a more feminine energy to kind of match her, but with a leadership tone. So it's really bringing both energies into play, which I think is to your point, exactly right for bringing balance into the relationship. Yeah, I love that. 
And so I'm just wondering if you have an example of a couple who've used these cards and to share like some transformation that happened. I had a work colleague who was having some trouble in his relation, in his marriage. They have two children. And he was like, I'm sort of at wit's end, you know, we're not having sex anymore. We're not really intimate. And I, I just, I'm at my, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to make her happy. You know, she's just constantly on me about things. And so they started doing check-ins and the check-in allowed them to surface a lot of the resentments and frustrations that had been coming up, but not spoken. So that's what's really beautiful about a check-in process, regardless, again, of whether you do our check-in method or develop your own strategy, is that this gives you a safe opportunity to not just raise areas of friction and frustration, but to recenter into all the good stuff, right? That's what future gazing is about. What are we building towards? That's like a nice cushy little bubble around it. Refriending, getting back into that curiosity state so that you're you're building that bridge of connection in that way. And then um, the conflict almost feels diffused once you've gotten to gratitude. I'm so grateful for all these things that you've been doing for me and or that have done or I couldn't have done without your support. And here's what we're building towards. And here's me taking some interest in things that are important to you just from a friend level, right? Friend curiosity level. And by the time you get to the conflict, then it's like, okay, that's one element, but there's all this other wonderful stuff that's wrapped around that. So that's what they saw. They saw that by going through the check-in, they were able to get centered back into all the things that they loved about each other, all the things that they were building towards. They were able to start visioning about new things they wanted to bring into their family unit, into their relationship. One of the prompts is, when's our next from it? To get away. So you start to like, get out of just the day-to-day resentments that can become very polarized and into um, a more holistic view of the relationship again. So they um, did the check-in for a few weeks, got back into a, a place of balance and harmony. And then now when they start to feel that, that tension coming up, his wife actually will say, you know what, it's time for us to start doing check-ins again. And he'll message me and be like, she just asked me to start doing check-ins again, which you know what that means. And then he's like, but it's great because we know that we have a resource and a tool that we don't have to be present with all the time. But when we're starting to feel that we've, we've lost the investment of, uh, or the attention to all these other things, we have a place to go to that's pretty accessible. Another couple um, uses them as what they call slowdown cards where um, when they've gotten busy and they've just been bypassing each other and they just haven't really been in communication because of life and work and kids and you know how it goes, um, they use these as what they call slow down tools to come back together and just like recenter on what they're committed to in their relationship. Wow, that's great. It sounds amazing, really. Uh, I think that like the first couple that you described is it's pretty typical like you're in a relationship you start to get on each other's nerves you lose sight of what's important you don't feel heard you don't feel seen both couples both parties feel like it's hopeless because uh, you know I'm trying I'm asking that person to give me what I need they're not listening 
but there's so much underneath and we often don't see it. We don't, we aren't, we're not open to it because if both parties have needs that are not met, you're operating from a place of emptiness, of, of lack. And so it's important to get back to what's, what is present, what is full here, what is beautiful, what's holistic in the relationship and what's exciting to get back to again. So I could feel like this transformation, which is really beautiful. And having these tools so is, is so helpful. I, I'm also wondering what happens when only one person in the couple wants to use the tool. It, I mean, this is the, the challenge I think that we face as relationship coaches. And there's always one partner who is the entry point, right? Who's the one that's either more resourced in this area because they've been invested in personal development work or they are the, the catalyst for, or they have a, a less of a resistance to going into a therapeutic or a coaching space, right? Um, so in those instances, I encourage the partner who is the, the lone soldier, if you will, to actually look at some of these prompts and start to vision how they would like them to be responded to and to vision how they would respond and then start to just integrate those micro changes themselves. So sort of start to take ownership into shifting the dynamic themselves. So you don't have to be in a card prompt to be able to say, I do your nonviolent communication tool, right? But you could then start to take that tactic to your partner and say, hey, partner, I feel really concerned when this thing happens and I would really need this, right? And so you can start to, you know, when one person changes, the entire system gets disrupted. So um, your own evolution is going to invariably cause ripple effect, whether you're consciously trying to change it or not, right? So that would, that's what I advise is to start with taking some of the tactics and just implementing them yourselves. If you're the culprit of the character assassination, start catching yourself and saying, whoa, babe, I just caught myself doing this thing that I'm learning about called character assassination, where I just called you a total jerk, or I told you that you're just completely a selfish person, right? Um, or if your partner is the one doing that, being able to say, hey, like using phrases like calling me selfish, that's not really going to serve us in finding a solution. So still being able to access and resource up without having to necessarily right away have their partner be 100% on board. The other thing is just to encourage them to try it once because it takes an hour. So try it once. Um, most people find that it's pretty accessible. Um, pretty accessible to get into because of the style of the questioning and the ranking and the prompts around that are like, how would you rank our sex life right now is a difficult one, right? Someone might say a four and someone might say an eight. And then the, the follow-up query is, okay, now define what those numbers mean. And so the four might say, you know, we've had sex every single day this week, but it's just been like, like it's just been to get it done. Right. And we, so we have frequency is there, but like, we're just like going in or having sex and like, cause we're trying to get pregnant and there's really no like romance around it. It's just kind of disconnected. And the other partner might say, oh, well, I've been ranking it an eight because we had sex every day this week, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so then you start to say, oh, okay, clearly the subtext in that is the four needs a little more romance and needs it slowed down and maybe less frequency. 
and the person who is cool with the frequency gets the opportunity to maybe like step in and provide a little more romance. So nice. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with you that it just takes one to shift the relationship. You have to, you have to be patient when you do that. But I, I mean, the story I shared about my daughter is a perfect example. I, I remember hiring a coach to work with me when I first got divorced because of all the anger that she had towards me. And I knew she wouldn't go to therapy for that. And I knew that if I changed how I approached her, it would change the relationship. And it did. So it's, it's, it's really important to take ownership of what you bring and how you're saying things. And because how we say things is just as important as what we say. And so what sounds like a lot of these cards help us express things in a way that's more connected and setting boundaries in a way that doesn't feel harsh, but it feels connected. So it's, again, it's all about connection and finding a way to get through to the other person that they can hear and we, everybody is happier, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's beautiful the way that you use that example of your um, with your daughter again, because that is those are the, the transformations that sometimes people throw their hands up and they feel hopeless. And you, what's important to remember is like we're co-creating this dynamic. Yeah. The dynamic that exists didn't get there alone. I didn't create that in a vacuum. I created that in partnership with someone else. And we are pushing and pulling to get to where we're at now. And sometimes that culture of the relationship is beautiful. And sometimes the culture of the relationship loses its way and needs to recalibrate, needs a system reboot, right? And so when we can go into taking ownership to your point, uh, that we're half responsible for the, whatever the culture of the relationship is, then we can start to really look at our own behaviors and our own approaches and make those shifts as necessary. Yeah, taking responsibility for your share is nine-tenths of the, of the way there. I, I find <laughs> so many people have such a hard time looking at that. It feels so vulnerable. And it's like, you got to get ego out of the way. And you know, even when I was doing parenting work, I subscribed to a program called Total Transformation. And do you, are you familiar with that? No. It's a series of... CDs at the time. This is a long time ago. And the first thing they asked you to do was to look at yourself as a parent. This isn't about your child. This is first about you. How consistent are you? Do you, do you set limits and then, you know, not follow through? What are you doing? And what is your partner doing? And how are you parenting together or not? And that's where you start. You don't start with, let's blame the child. The child is so angry. Well, again, not in a vacuum. <laughs> so it's, it's very eye-opening and it's also empowering. So I just want everyone who's listening to know that if once you do take responsibility for your share, you can change it. You can change the outcome of the relationship and improve your relationships and live a much more full, wholehearted life. It really is true. <laughs> Yeah, fully expressed, fully received, and that, that taking ownership piece is, is beautiful. And, and if, if they're able to also have some self-compassion, that it doesn't have to happen overnight. Yes. A one degree left turn <laughs> over time takes you, takes you very, very far. So really even true. if you've gotten the awareness, 
I tell a lot of clients that awareness is that first big step, just being able to see it and then being able to name it and then noticing it and then interrupting it and then starting to choose something new, right? It's just, it's a little phase by phase by phase and you'll get there. Yeah. I love that. I, I, awareness is always the first step in any, in any self-growth, just even knowing my body tightens up. I'm not even sure what that is. I can't breathe well. Like those are just, those are all signs that something's going on for you. And so tuning in, like last night when we were talking about overthinking, one of the clients said, my brow furrows when I'm overthinking, but I don't even catch it. Somebody else usually catches me, but she knew what was happening inside her body. So I, I directed her back to that. I said, you have signposts furrowed brow, tightening, pay attention to that. Just start there, right? So it's just mm -hmm. that one step. Well, this is so wonderful. I, it sounds like your check-ins are so helpful and I'm really curious to learn more. And I know that um, you have a special discount for our listeners. So can you share how people can get the card deck and the companion journal? Yeah, by visiting happypartnersproject.com, that's partners with an S, happypartnersproject.com, we are going to offer any of your listeners, anyone in your community, 15% off using last first date as the code for either the check-in card deck or the bundle of the check-in card deck with our new 12-week companion journal, which also includes 12 different foundational lessons for healthy relationships. Awesome. So it's last first date, one word when you enter the code and it will also be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. This has just been a fantastic, a fantastic conversation. I think the, all of these skills are just so crucial in having great relationships and it just sounds tactical, easy, practical, and fun, which are all great things. So thank you so much. Thank you so much too, Sandy. And thank you everyone for listening today. If you love our show, please rate and review us. We love that. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. 